You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornet. Our co-host today... Somebody that's kind of gotten bougie on us. I think he is holding his pinky out. I'm looking at a keyboard, but that's not enough. I'm also looking at a big boy piano in the background. He's cut off his hair. Um, it's someone that you're hearing on these national ads for the Locked On Podcast Network. I feel like he's a little too good for us here on the Hornets pod, but he has he has uh, blessed us with his presence. It's Doug Branson back on the show. Doug, good to hear from you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Can you be bougie and have your pinky out? I'm not sure. I think you're mixing your metaphors a little bit. I'm not sure that those two things are really associated with each other, uh, but I will accept all of those compliments. Uh, they're backhanded as they were. Uh, yes, I, listen, I'm I'm having some success right now. I'm being heard uh, <laughs> by more voices. And, and unfortunately, that means I had to take some time away from this show. It doesn't mean I love you any less. I'm sorry uh, that okay. I went to the convenience store and didn't come back for a little while. Um, but I'm here now. <laughs> and I think, Where's daddy? <laughs> I think we should just embrace that and say, hey, instead of focusing on what we don't have, let's just embrace the time we do have. So you're sitting there getting filthy rich is what you're saying. And you're just going to buy two pianos. That's what you're doing. (laughs) You know, I mean, when opportunity presents itself, you have to uh, strike while the hay is hot. See, now I'm mixing my metaphors. Mm -hmm. You got to get on the keys, man. That's what you got to do when you get all of that money and become a national voice. Well, we do appreciate you becoming local once again and going back to your roots where we can talk about somebody that does have his roots that look pretty good in the ground here in Charlotte with PJ Washington. Doug, it was the most recent conversation that Nada and I had. We were both angry about PJ not making the first all rookie team as meaningless as that actual debate is. I fully understand it. I don't want to be like this. I just want us to be recognized for the nice things that we have. They come so few and far between. I would like to be recognized when we do have something nice here in a Hornets roster and a Hornets uniform. And he was the ninth ranked rookie, according to all of the votes by the media members who apparently don't pay attention to us. Um, I know Josh Lloyd talked about this as well of the Locked On Fantasy podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Doug, what was it? Uh, what was it that Josh Lloyd had to say about PJ Washington and where he placed PJ on his all rookie list? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a listen. Let's go now on to some of the questions that come through from Twitter. And the first one is going to come from Doug Branson, the host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. He says that Locked On Hornets that believes guy. that PJ Washington deserved better than ninth place in all rookie voting. What do you say? Well, Doug, I did do an all-rookie team show the other day, and I had PJ on my first team. So yes, I believe that he was stiffed quite a bit to be put into ninth. I would have had him in that fifth spot that was taken up by Eric Pascal. <laughs> so that, that clip is funny to me for two reasons. Uh, one, he calls me the host of Locked on Hornets, which is great. I love uh, getting credit for course. something and not having to do any work. So that's- You don't have enough power. He need, He's giving you more power. <laughs> Apparently, you don't have enough. That's beautiful. And it's a national voice that that uh, he pays attention to the Hornets, but he doesn't pay attention to the show. So that's another reason it's funny. 
Um, oh, yeah. He's he's too busy being <laughs> smart about literally everything else. Um, so shout out to Josh. Yes, shout out to Josh. You. And, um, and his you'll brother. never hear it. <laughs> um, but the third reason that that's funny is because within that clip, if you listen to it again, if you uh, roll it back a couple of seconds to listen to it again, he basically answers my question by saying, well, if you listen to the show, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is just so yeah. funny because that's, yeah, I didn't listen. Um, I only, I asked a question to a show that I didn't listen to uh, and expected an answer, uh, which is sort of right in my wheelhouse. So it's all of us basically just, you know, not supporting each other by acting like we're supporting each other by not listening to the show, but then interacting on Twitter. And yes, it's all fantastic. But he does have PJ Washington in his top five. Now, Doug, I know that you listened to, you actually did listen to our episode on PJ Washington and all that we were discussing. Um, look, me and Nada both, we, we both felt that PJ should have been in the top five, as you heard. And if you listen to his show, uh, he mentions that PJ Washington should be in the top five as well. What did you think about all of this PJ being left out of not only just the first all rookie team, but I mean, man, being ninth among the best rookies in all of the uh, in all of the NBA. Yeah, I'm glad that as the two prominent voices on the Charlotte Hornets right now in the podcasting space, Nate, actually, I'll say you guys are the two prominent voices on the Charlotte Hornets in all of the media space. I'm glad that you were super passionate about it, and we have to be passionate about everything, I think, and, and the little things too, especially in this time when we're not contending for a playoff spot. We should be looking at the little things because the little things will eventually get us to the playoff spot where then we can stop paying attention to the little things and start discussing the big things. So nice I, I'm nice. totally with you on that. And, and I think you guys gave great evidence to support the fact, you know, if you look into some of the deep statistical analysis, as Josh has want to do as well, you can see clearly that P.J. Washington deserved to be first team over Eric uh, the Rascal Pascal. But here's the thing. These things are not about deep statistical analysis, at least not this all-rookie team. Maybe th that starts to play in all-NBA or, or all-MVP. you know MVP. Uh, Shout out Giannis. I think they just announced he got the MVP. So they maybe did. those things have something to do there. But in all-rookie team, to me, it's all about storylines. It's all about guys who got plenty of run, who had plenty of impact. I know P.J. was a starter, but he was not the prominent face of the Charlotte Hornets franchise this season. That wasn't his role. That was Devontae Graham's role. He took all the storylines. And, I, you know, I'm more upset about Devontae Graham's uh, snub in the most improved player than I am about P.J. Washington's snub. Because, listen, Washington is such a confident just, I mean, he knows exactly who he is and what he wants to accomplish in this league. This is not going to mean anything to him, you know? And also, I just want to say, like, I'm glad he got second team. Look at R.J. Barrett. Look at everything that, that, that the Knicks have invested in Barrett. He doesn't even make the list. So I'm just, I'm appreciative that there was some recognition of what P.J. Washington did this season. And, and I think if he continues on the track that I think he'll continue on, he, he'll, he'll get some hardware in this league. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the narrative-based voting that you're kind of talking about. Ramona Shelburne got destroyed for it when she voted for LeBron James, but acknowledged that for the for MVP award. Team? Wow, that's, a, that's yeah. a little bit of a stretch there, Ramona. And no, that was Ben Simmons. She was voting for the all-rookie team. But when she talked about LeBron James and saying, you know, all of this narrative-based voting, look, it's evident. And I get that. My biggest problem with this, too, was that, like a Kobe White, who I talked about this already, I just don't have any feasible case for Kobe White to get 
a spot over PJ. And even though it was barely so, Kobe White was somebody that got listed above him. Then you could talk about Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero. You know, I get those guys play on a really good team with the Heat. I think some postseason stuff probably got in there for Tyler Hero because he's been very impressive, even though you shouldn't have it there. Um, but then you go to Eric Paschal. I mean, Doug, even with the narrative-based stuff, what is what is the storyline that attracts you to Eric Paschal more so than PJ, because you have all of the stars out for Golden State. And I get that. But he was somebody that wasn't shooting all that well from beyond the arc for sure. Had some empty calorie stuff, too, for a really bad basketball team, although had plenty of minutes. But PJ had a ton of minutes for a basketball team actually making that team better and also getting very significant run. I believe their minutes were extremely comparable. And, and that was another one like Brandon Clark. Like as much as I love Brandon Clark, you know, there are plenty of things that you could compare each of those guys and and no one is going to say that PJ deserved it over a Brandon Clark to get over in that first team. Yet you look at the stats, it's like, oh, hell, you know, it's, <laughs> it's damn close. And so that was the thing to me. Just why is a Kobe White getting in front of him? Why is RJ Barrett even close to approaching what PJ did? And I, I know the reason I get it. It just it shouldn't be. And I, I'll accept it, but it shouldn't be that case. I would say the Kobe White situation is, again, a perfect uh, example of a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot, and that's going to command attention. With uh, Pascal, it's tough to remember the NBA pre-pandemic at this point, but if you you do stretch your brain all the way back to the beginning of the season, Pascal was a serious storyline. Like, what? where did this cat come from? What is happening? Why are the Warriors winning a couple of games that they absolutely have no business winning? Uh, and it was all because of Eric Paschal and some of these young guys uh, that got an opportunity when when all the stars were injured. So it's it's tough to remember, but, but Paschal, but but these you know these reporters apparently remember. Uh, but I know. Listen, I'm totally with you, but also I don't care. <laughs> so there's the, there you go. There's the, like, I don't care. No, I don't want to, Doug. I don't want to, but I do. I do. Before we you know talk a little bit more about some of the other things that Josh Lloyd had to say in his Hornets review, I did want to bring up something else you brought up. But that Devonte was the storyline, mm-hmm. and was Devonte's emergence something that actually hindered PJ from getting some love? Like if Devonte doesn't do what he does then does PJ actually get more love as one of the more accomplished rookies this season? Well, narratively, maybe, but I think as a basketball player, development-wise, I think it's going to help PJ tremendously because uh, as much as we focused on Devontae Graham's scoring ability, and I I think you finally saw some of this recognition late when he was snubbed for MIP, but people were like, wait a minute, he had a ton of assists as well. Like This guy was moving the basketball and finding people uh, where they could score, and, and I think that Devontae Graham did that for Terry Rozier, but he also did that for uh, P.J. Washington, and that's going to help him down the line. He also did it for Bismack Biombo, which should have gotten the most improved player, by the way. The fact that he turned Bismack Biombo into a, a passable offensive threat in the post, and it was all because of Devontae Graham's passing, that should have gotten the most improved player automatically. Uh, something else that you can trust down the line. It's rockauto.com. You can trust it right now. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same too for everybody and they're reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on what the market will bear. Kind of like what airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and they don't require a membership or an account login. The rockauto.com catalog, it's unique and it's remarkably easy 
easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Doug surprises me with a Josh Lloyd clip because I don't listen to the show next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I probably should address that tease a little bit better than what I did Mm -hmm. uh, heading into the second one, because I don't want it to be like, I don't ever listen to Josh Lloyd's show. I do. And I just want to say, I haven't gotten time to listen to the Hornets review. And I just want to put that out there just in case anyone with any kind of authority within the Locked On Podcast Network is listening to this right now or maybe later, just in case that's happening, just in case, I want to say that I'm going to go check out Locked On Podcast Network shows. It's me. I have authority within this network. I am listening to this particular episode. Oh, you do? (laughs) I do. Yeah, I have a a title. They gave me um, a coffee mug and a name tag and a title. Um, So that's enough for me, honestly. But yeah, Corporate Doug is on this show. And he's ready to hand down oh, no. any corporate justice that needs to be handed down. So, yes, you better appreciate Josh Lloyd while I'm on this show. Yeah, I will. Uh, Josh Lloyd, you are the best. Once again, that's two shout outs. I have a feeling another shout out is coming. Let's play another clip from Locked On Fantasy where uh, he was actually talking about the Hornets and continuing to give his breakdown on some of the players that he noticed what he thinks of them going forward. Now, Doug apparently has a quote spicy clip from Josh Lloyd on Malik Monk, and he refused to play it for me before uh, the podcast because I'm sure what his thinking was, he was going to play it for me. I was going to be mad at it and I wasn't going to allow it on the show because no matter how much power Doug has, I still have some power here with this podcast. And there's not a whole lot of Malik Monk slander that we can go by. With that being said, I'm probably falling in a trap. Here's Josh Lloyd on Malik Monk. Is Malik Monk officially a bust? Do you see any upside improvements still being made? He's, look, he's been shit ass. There's no doubt about that. There are plenty of people who thought he should be a top two, top three pick in that draft. He obviously wasn't. There are plenty of off-court problems there. Not only the marijuana suspension, but just Allegedly. the fact that he seems to be a complete dickhole. And coaches have punished oh him God. accordingly. And that's why Allegedly. his role hasn't been there. His discipline is off. His de- defensive <laughs> stuff is an absolute liability. And that is the real problem with Monk. He's heading into his fourth season and he has to turn <gasps> it around because he has had opportunities absolutely turkey slap him right across the face and he just pisses him down the drain. Turkey slapping him. Oh my God. Josh Lloyd. I don't Um, know. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's lost in translation. Uh, Turkey slapping him in the face. I have never heard. I've heard dick hole. I've never Um, heard turkey slapping him in the face. I wasn't ready. I was not ready. I told you it was specie and I wanted to surprise Uh, you. This was my surprise gift to you. Why? Why am I so happy that you played that though? I I mean, here I am talking about how much I won't, I won't allow Malik Monk slander. And here's the thing. That was the worst thing I've ever heard. Well, that's why I played this (laughs) clip because anyone that thinks I slander Malik Monk, including you two, you think I slander Malik Monk. Okay. That, I'm, no. I am restrained. I am a yes. Malik Monk lover in comparison to that 
clip. I'm I am in the Malik Monk fan club with weekly newsletters going Ooh. out in comparison to that clip. Josh Lloyd does not like Malik Monk, and he oh also doesn't God. like Terry Rozier. So go listen I to mean, that Doug. episode if if you want more of that. Oh, really? He's got some things to say on. Oh, he I want to start doing no, that. Rozier is not. He is not part of the Rozier fan club either. Um. Doug, I don't want to exaggerate. I really am trying to think if I've ever heard anything that slanderous <laughs> about one individual player. I, just as far, I mean, Doug, I'm baffled. Like I can't, I can't give you any other opinion out there that somebody has just taken someone else to the woodshed in that regard, where he's he's dropping expletives like it's nothing. Um, somebody got turkey slapped in that clip. I, there was a yeah, turkey maybe slapping. I have, uh, maybe I should have uh, given some kind of trigger warning before that. <laughs> Before that clip, I might put it in the show notes. Oh my God. Um, yeah, look, that was, that was, it was kind of reckless. Um, yeah, like allegedly the marijuana thing, you know, we don't even know my favorite kind of less. Yeah, that's right. I I want less of all of that. I want more reckless. If you're going to move on from Malik Monk, like Josh Lloyd certainly would, if he had any authority with the Charlotte Hornets then you might look to address something like that in the NBA draft, Doug. And I know that you said you did have somewhat transition. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Have you been paying attention to mock drafts nearly as much anymore? Or is that a pastime that's kind of that you're too good for too sophisticated? It's been tough, man. I mean, I've got to, you know, I got to put the suit on and uh, you know, shave every day and report to the office with my briefcase because I'm corporate now. Uh, So it's been a little tougher to pay attention to some of the mock drafts, Uh, but I am always a fan of, what Sam Vecini has to say on the athletic. And and I thought he had some kind of interesting thoughts on really the top three positions overall. But, but when he's writing about uh, the Charlotte Hornets, he, he makes a note. Well, I'll just read it. He says, I can't get out of my mind that this would be it, Okay. Well, let me say this. Let me set this up. Uh, he mocks James Wiseman to the Charlotte Hornets And he says, I can't get out of my mind that this would be a total departure from what the Hornets have drafted in recent years. Typically, Charlotte really puts a premium on collegiate production. Last year, it took an All-American in Washington and an accomplished senior in Cody Martin. And then he goes to list uh, many uh, more players like like, uh, Malik Monk, Frank Kaminsky, Kimball Walker, Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. The only departure from that being Noah Vonley in 2014, and that was a disaster. But that, you know, that reminded me of that. I mean, I don't know why I'd forgotten that, but as many of the draft tropes as we have been telling people, the Charlotte Hornets, they really, they don't draft Carolina people. They draft Kentucky people. Um, you know, this, this isn't kind of, uh, uh, we've said, you know, over the, over the years that um, there has been a little bit more leeway in terms of decision-making in the draft, more than people think with some notable exceptions. Uh, but this is one trope that has stuck, that they do, draft through administrations, through the Rich Cho administration and now into the uh, Kupchak regime. They like players who produce in college, and we have to remember that when we're analyzing what we think the Charlotte Hornets will do in this draft. Yeah, we we talked about this, Doug. And, you know, for me, I don't think that alters what they do with this third overall selection whatsoever. One, the opportunity is not there in this NBA draft with all of the different people that could go one, two, and three. Obi Toppin is the really, really the only guy that could be realistic in this spot. 
for the Hornets to take because mm-hmm. you're not taking Anthony Edwards or I mean, let me say this. I, I, I didn't mean that it was Anthony Edwards. Isn't doesn't fit that bill. LaMelo ball doesn't fit that bill. Neither, neither does a Kung Wu, neither does a Wiseman. Right. So there's really not anybody there in Avdia. So one that's going to have to go out the window unless they select Obi Toppin. And I would not be a fan of that, nor would Nada. Um, Whoa. another thing not is topping, not topping, not, not topping your big boards, huh? No, not even close. What another thing is, um, you know, not brought this point up too. at least with this regime, the last couple of seasons, the Hornets have been selecting 11 and 12 and, you know, in the double digits, right? Like, right. And so I wonder if that kind of narrative of the college production player, does that hold more stock when you go deeper into the NBA draft? And I think it does because even Mitch Kupchak, we've talked about this before, maybe playing both sides of the fence for Mitch, but he talked about how at number three, you can get somebody a little bit more special when you're talking about going to 12 or 11. Is it too scary to take the risk on the high upside guy that a lot of guys don't pan out or, and then you just kind of gravitate more towards the college production. I just don't think that even, I don't think that alters what's going in the mind of one Mitch Kupchak right now, um, really all that much at all. Yeah, if we're following this line of thinking that the Hornets have drafted uh, college producers in that 11-12 slot, uh, I think it's further evidenced by the fact that not only have the Hornets been selecting in that slot, but they often select there with the mindset that they want to get someone that can help them get to the playoffs relatively soon. That's you know, right. so it was, it's not as if they're selecting in the 11, 12 slot. And then they're like, yeah, next year we're going to be bad too. And then the next year we're going to be bad. Mm-hmm. So let's take a swing for the fences. So if that is the mentality, I totally understand that. And I also buy your argument that if this franchise was ever going to take a chance, take a swing and not look to the college stats to make their determination, this would be the year because not only do you have a top three pick, but you have a top three pick in a draft Uh, where your top prospects are, for the most part, majority players that are international or did not have a lot of college run. Well, and and the only other thing that I I mentioned when Sam Bassini brought that point up was, you know, if if you're going to throw an MKG out there or Cody Zeller, I mean, yeah, but all the players in this draft are producing in college that are the one and done guys too. You know, like I I think the, the, the argument that holds the most weight is miles and PJ actually being older. The fact that they actually stayed another year because that's so rare to have in the lottery, but you know, and Anthony Davis fits that bill, but of course you're going to draft Anthony Davis. You know, Bradley Beal was really good at Florida. We can go to Cody Zeller. Victor Oladipo was the second pick in that draft. He was really good at Indiana too. And so, you know, there's just going to be a ton of players that really did produce in college because the players that produce in college are really good and the really good players are going to get selected the highest. And so I think it all kind of, um, you know, runs together certainly in that regard. Another thing that is really good and produces some great results for you. It's built bar who is back with us. And we always appreciate their support. Uh, the built bar is for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, they're high fiber. And if you're on the keto diet, it's great for that as well. They also have these great flavors. They have peanut butter, coconut almond, cherry barcia. Shout out to Nada who loves cherry barcia and cookies and cream. Also, you get a free cooler with your purchase when you go to builtbar.com. Again, that's builtbar.com and you can use promo code locked on. It's all one word, zero spaces, locked on, and you get $10 off of your next order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off 
at builtbar.com. Playoff takes next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But give me some positives. As That would annoy me as a head coach. I'd be like, look, you, you can't lose the Bulls by 20 and come away and go, well, you know, let's look for some silver linings. Silver lining, game over. Next game. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. It's also been a while since we've had a chance to talk with you, Doug, about the playoffs and playoffs. a lot has happened. We're getting to see Kemba Walker play against the Miami Heat. They go down 0-2 after Kemba figured it out for a little while yesterday, and then he didn't. Um, it started to go away after he was kind of overcoming that bad slump that he had had recently. We have seen the Clippers blow a 3-1 deficit to the Denver Nuggets, so now the uh, Denver Nuggets are going to go play the Lakers, and we really could see a Denver-Miami NBA Finals in the bubble <laughs> in Orlando, which would be nuts. Um, let's start with the Eastern Conference first, Doug. What do you think about what are being against the Miami Heat and vice versa? Oh, man, yeah, this is good. I, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be back on, so I need to just get all of these takes off now. I was talking about this with uh, John Corrales, who hosts Locked On Celtics. I know that Kimball Walker has played well as a member of the Boston Celtics overall. Like, I know he has a body of work that is uh, substantial, I just personally have never watched a Boston Celtics game where he's played well. And I think there <laughs> it's is... It's your fault. Well, no, I think it is. And I think there is some kind of cosmic force that is protecting me from watching Kimba Walker be very good with the Boston Celtics and, and the pain that would be associated with that. So whenever I watch, he doesn't play well. and I, So I'm sorry. I'm just, I would like to issue an apology directly over the airwaves to Kimba Walker. I'm sorry that whenever I watch you... You are miserable uh, for the Boston Celtics, and and I hope uh, that I don't get a chance to watch you in these next couple of games so that you may perform well. I'll say this about the Miami Heat. I love what they're doing. Uh, I'm, je- I'm just – I'm not even angry at the Miami Heat. I don't – I mean, I, there's not really a rivalry between the Heat and the Hornets, even though that's that was the last yeah. playoffs matchup. I'm just jealous – of how well that organization runs and the, and the the toys that they get to play with all the time, these players that they find from nowhere. But I'll say this about Jimmy Butler. He's a player that I think is, if he's in a bad situation, it's going to be really bad because he exacerbates it with his personality. But when he is in a good situation, like I feel like he is in with Miami, where, where people are aligned with him mentally – then it's going to be really good. Like he's just a player that's going to expose the extremes of the spectrum for a team. And right now it's it's paying huge dividends. Whereas I feel like Kimball Walker is kind of in the opposite situation where he's on a team in Boston where it's, it's just not quite working. And it's not necessarily Kimba's fault. It's just for whatever reason, the pieces aren't quite fitting. And I'm hearing this from a lot of national voices on the, on the Locked On Podcast Network right now. They're watching this team and going, God, something, something's not right between Kemba, Tatum, Smart. You know, when you work Gordon Hayward back in there eventually, something is just not meshing. And so Kemba is able to go to a franchise and things not quite work, and then sometimes they do, whereas Jimmy, it's either it's awesome or it's awful. Yeah, he, he is an environment emphasizer, if you will. Um, it doesn't matter what's going like on. You like that? that? <laughs> an environment we, emphasizer we got we got some stuff here on the local networks too you don't have to go national all the time for your good analysis um yeah like jimmy is someone it, even with philadelphia though 
he had such a good relationship with Joel Embiid, which we talked about at the beginning of that, Doug. I think you and I both agreed that it's actually going to work, even though people were scared about the personalities between Embiid and Butler, them being so passionate, it's not going to work between them. You know, Embiid is out here tweeting, I miss Jimmy Butler, essentially. Like, you know, I'm saying, like, I wish, I wish he had him on his team. And of course, he made that team better. You know, I think with Miami too, Doug, one, totally with you on being jealous about them. It's it's just they're so damn fun. I do kind of like this team compared to Duke when they had Zion and RJ, but it was really just Zion that made the Duke damn Blue Devils to be a fun team that everybody kind of liked after you had hated them your entire life. That's what the Heat are. Like the Heat right now are so damn fun and you just can't help but like them despite hating them for so long in previous years. When is the last time this franchise, I'm speaking of the Charlotte Hornets now, when is the last time they've had a Jimmy Butler? I'm not talking about talent level. I'm talking about guy who's ready to mix it up on the sidelines is just yelling randomly that they're awesome, that these MFers can ball, like to no one, like speaking to no one, just yeah. like a crazy dude who is just going to go out there and give it. I mean, I think the I'll answer my own question uh, because I don't know when the next time I'm going to be on the show. So I'll just ask questions and answer them myself. It's got to be stag Jack, right? I mean, the last time is Steven Jackson is a guy that yeah, was just a, a little answer. off and, and, but would go out there and just absolutely take mm -hmm. over a game. It's been a long time since we've is had a player like that to watch. Is it bad that I went to the different? You didn't ask if they actually did back it up, though. You never asked that question. And because you never <laughs> clarified it with that, I immediately went to Lance Stevenson as somebody I went to because uh, you, he never. I guess. You, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, had I mean, he never backed it up. You didn't, you didn't clarify up. it. That's true. <laughs> you never clarified it. Uh, Steven Jackson is probably a better answer on that front. Um, the other bad thing about this, too, is that I went back to Zoe. Like, Steven Jackson's a great answer, it's the right one. But I went back to Zoe, like an LJ and those Zoe, guys. Yeah, Zoe was another crazy dude. I mean, they're they'll swing some bows. Yeah, the Heat are so fun. Like that, that's such a fun basketball team to watch. And I'm with you. I'm so jealous about them as well. Um, do you have a Clippers take before we end today's show about the deficit? They they dropped it. Just what goes on in their future? Anything at all about the Clippers? I just think the Clippers are an example of of trends in professional sports. Uh, the trend was guys moving around and play and getting other guys to come with them and join them. It can only work for one team every year or, or one team that wins a series of championships over the course of four or five years. It's not going to work for every team. And so you're going to see it fail more than you are going to see it succeed. And eventually uh, that you'll see a counter trend of this stuff. I mean, people will fail enough at this and they'll get embarrassed for it. Like the Clippers are getting embarrassed for it right now that it de that it disincentivizes this from happening. And you'll see a counter movement where you don't see this kind of um, these kind of power plays by certain players and gathering with each other to play. Um, but, but I think we're, we're in the heat of it right now. I mean, KD and, and Kyrie are making, going to try to make it happen in Brooklyn and we'll see if that succeeds. Um, but it's going to fail more than it succeeds. Just like every trend that you see in the NBA and the NFL, it, it's going to succeed until it doesn't. And then you see a counter movement. Yeah. I wonder if it, if we're ever going to see it 
succeed like immediately upon it happening, right? Like, does it take time? Does it start being successful if the super teams stay together for another season rather than bouncing immediately? Because we saw Toronto, nobody would call Toronto a super team, but Kawhi left so quickly. You know, the movement is just so damn rapid. That's it. That's the question that I have. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I'm not criticizing the super team. What I'm criticizing is, yeah, the bailing. You know, that we're, mm-hmm. we're going to try to make this work in one or two years and then we're out. I just think that that is, you're creating a bubble essentially. And again, it can only work for one team every year. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's what I think we'll eventually see shift back into some kind of normalcy where you see players or groups of players sticking around for a franchise for four or five seasons or six seasons or whatever. I don't think we're ever going to go back to the, you know, Larry Bird's a Celtic for his entire career. I, I don't see that be returning into fashion, uh, but this is crazy. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that's my Clippers take, uh, that everybody's being hard on them and that it will ultimately disincentivize uh, players from from going out or at least getting three instead of two. We got into this two zone all of a sudden. Thanks again to Corporate Doug for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks to you, as always, and thanks to rockauto.com for supporting the show. Now, tell your smart device to go play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, really any episode on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. Shout out to Josh Lloyd. Uh, have a great weekend. We will be back with you on Monday. Yeah, go listen or you'll get turkey slapped. Yeah. <laughs>